Yes, as uh, Tim has just said, it, the reading is from Colossians chapter 3, beginning at verse 1, and it's on page 1184 of the Pew Bible, if you want to find it there. It's entitled, Rules for Holy Living. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived. But now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. But Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the, world of, sorry, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So then, uh, an introduction to the time of Lent that we're going to be experiencing together, growing as disciples of Jesus, and the five rhythms of grace. A priority within our church vision is to grow as disciples of Jesus, of course. And it's an important and essential aspiration for us as a church community. And we need to work towards that with God's help, with his strength, with his inspiration, with his guidance. 
And of course, discipleship is a journey, it's an adventure where each and every day we aim to grow uh, even in small steps. But if you hadn't noticed, it isn't easy. The adventure is hard and it's littered with difficulties, doubts, struggles, fears, and temptations. And the reading we just heard showed us just how hard it is and how easily we can fall and be pulled in the wrong direction. And so we need practical help and we need God's guidance to enable us to focus on being disciples in every bit of life, every day of the week, and not just when we get together as God's church. And so this Lent, we're going to be introducing the five rhythms of grace from the Diocese of Litchfield community of St. Chad. It's something that many churches and many, many people across the diocese and, and well beyond, actually, are getting into as a way of uh, feeding and fueling their life as a disciple of Jesus. Now, the community of St. Chad booklets are available in church. They're on the table at the rear of the worship area, and they are about two pounds in cost. And these booklets, they highlight the five rhythms of grace whilst also providing all sorts of other prayer resources and guidance. This booklet, it's not a Lent study book, okay? It's not a Lent study book. It's a book of resources and prayers and guidance to help us to pray into and reflect on the five rhythms of grace. And so the five rhythms of grace are the following. Firstly then, by God's grace, I will seek to be transformed into the likeness of Christ. And that's what we're going to be exploring together today. The second rhythm is this. By God's grace, I'll be open to the presence, guidance, and power of the Holy Spirit. The third rhythm. By God's grace, I'll set aside time for prayer, worship, and spiritual reading. The fourth rhythm. By God's grace, I'll endeavor to be a gracious presence in the world, serving others and working for justice in human relationships and structures. And fifthly, by God's grace, I'll sensitively share my faith with others and support God's mission, both locally and globally. Now, these are five promises we can make each and every day, and we can revisit them regularly. They're five main strands on which we can build a life as a disciple of Jesus. And they provide the basis for evaluation and reflection and prayer on our journey as a disciple. The community of St. Chad Booklet it says this, The five rhythms, they're not rules that dictate how people behave, but rather a starting point for a process of self-examination that can help us to see what we need to do to grow as disciples of Christ. And so we've produced an accompanying leaflet which outlines how the five rhythms can be used regularly so that you can review your own journey as a follower of Jesus and identify areas for growth, for further growth, growth so that we can look at our lives and see those things that we need to bring into God's light, those things that we need God's help with to bring his transformation to. So if you want or have already got one of these Community of St. Chad books, then I encourage you also to get the accompanying leaflet, reflecting on your journey as a disciple with the five rhythms of grace. And it's important that as well as doing this individually, we do this in community so that others can pray for us and support us 
So during Lent, we can be encouraged to get together with one or two other people in a, what could be called a growth group or a spiritual companionship group or to do it as a home group. On each Sunday during Lent, we'll be introducing one of the five rhythms through our sermons. And then in the following week, home groups can explore this further or you can do that on your own or in one of your spiritual companionship groups. And after Lent, we hope we can continue to review our discipleship regularly and so that the five rhythms of grace, they get into our bloodstream and they become part of our daily life. Now, Trinity Church Meal Brace has been doing this and introducing the five rhythms of grace as a way of encouraging discipleship across the church community for over the last couple of years. And uh, very kindly today, Judith and Arnie, they've uh, agreed to come and I'm going to interview them now so that we hear a little bit more about their journey and it gives us a little bit of practical advice and help so that we know how we can uh, be encouraged to use these five rhythms of grace too. So Arnie and Judith, would you come out please? You'd like to take that mic. Judith, you'd like to take that mic. Very warm welcome to you both. Thank you for, for coming here and, and uh, agreeing to share your wisdom. We, we, we hope that you uh, can really encourage us as we begin this journey for ourselves. So Arnie, how do you use the r- rhythms of grace personally and how has this benefited you as a disciple of Jesus? Okay, uh, I'm from Holy Trinity Meal Brace. It's good to be here. Um, we did this about two years ago, as Tim said, um, and I, I think the interesting thing on looking back on it from two years ago is that we did it in many ways exactly the same way as you guys are going to do it. We had uh, a sermon series, so each Sunday morning we had a look at one of the rhythms, and then in the small groups uh, we tackled the rhythms as well uh, and worked through it, and we had uh, leaflets produced by the church to guide us in the small groups to uh, introduce questions to uh, get us thinking, to link it into um, various references in the Bible, and uh, it was very useful. But in, in looking back on it, um, I know that, I don't know if you're like me, you can smile a bit if you, if you agree with what I'm about to say. Um, I listen to sermons on a Sunday morning, and sometimes they just go in one ear and out the other. And if somebody says to me on the Wednesday, uh, what was the sermon about on Sunday? Ooh. Um, ooh, I can't even remember who preached. So th- there is, <laughs> yeah, uh, bless you, Tim. Um, <laughs> that is the nature, I think, of, of the Sunday sermon. I can sit and listen to it and agree with it and think, oh, that's great. I, you know, I agree with everything there. And then two or three days later, I've forgotten everything he said. So looking at it in the small groups then takes it on to a kind of another level because you're in there with your, with your bunch of people, you know, seven, eight, nine people. If you're not in a small group, by the way, I would encourage you to get into it because they're really important. Um, but in the small group, you then discuss it and you open things up. You hear what other people think. Other people share their views. You can relate to certain things and not to other things. And you can go a bit deeper and it just embeds it a bit more. So that was useful. But... The next stage is the thing that was most important for me. Um, I I didn't know it, but I was already in a growth group. I didn't know what a growth group was until this stuff from uh, St. Chad's came out. And a growth group means meeting maybe with one other person or a couple of other people uh, regularly 
and beginning to open your life up and share your life with them. And I'd been doing that with a, a dear friend of mine uh, called Tony for years. And Tony and I decided that we would pick up the rhythms of grace. And as we met each week, we would have a look at one of the rhythms through the week beforehand. And we would write down what God was saying to us about the rhythms. And as a church, we had a little leaflet. I don't know what your leaflet looks like, but we were given a leaflet as well. And what it did was take each rhythm and ask a series, maybe four or five questions about that particular rhythm. So if it was becoming more Christ-like, then there's, there's questions in the leaflet saying, looking at your life in the last week or the last month, in what way do you think you demonstrated Christ's likeness? Oh, those are the kind of questions that really hit you. And so what Tony and I did was we'd go through these questions and write down our answers and see what God was saying. And I would spend uh, maybe an hour looking at each of these sections and then I'd meet with Tony uh, in that week and we would share our responses with each other and we would encourage each other and we would question each other and it was doing that meeting in, in that growth group with somebody where you can go deeper and where you can be more honest, where you can begin to trust each other. For me, that was the really significant thing, looking at each of the elements of the rhythms and sharing it with somebody else and allowing God to speak to me about it, much more than a Sunday morning service would ever have done. Thank you. You can keep that. Judith, how about you? What, what difference has it made to you personally? Um, as you can see from what... We just keep talking. Sorry. As you can see from what Arnie said, um, the fact that um, it's not something that we... that you can just dip into and dip out of. It's something that's really, really important to dwell in. And I think that's what I found for myself. It's all very well, as Arnie says, to have a Sunday service and your Sunday sermon but it's actually how does that going to impact on me and it was that that the fact that you know Tim's already said it's a starting point this the, the, the what you're going to be spoken to every Sunday is a starting point it's a starting point for self-examination it's a starting point where I mean I looked at myself and said how is my godly character measuring up to that how am I reflecting that how is my discipleship actually reflecting that um, and it's something about being transformed you hear the words you hear the bible you hear what Jesus is asking of you because you are dwelling there you are living in there you are hearing those words and you feel the touch of Jesus on your life and that's really what I felt I really felt Jesus was touching my life and he was saying right Judith how is your character mending up measuring up to this how are you being transformed? And you are continuing to be transformed. It's not a once-for-all thing, is it? It's, it's always week on week. And that's the thing about the rhythms. This might be a Lent series, but it's a life series. And you will hear it. Um, it will re resonate with you as you hear other sermons on a Sunday. You go, yeah, that's, that's something I should be doing. If you hear a sermon on justice, 
You go, yeah, that's one of those, that's where I need to be thinking. And you can't change everything all at the same time. It'll be one thing that will really touch your heart. And that's what I found. Mm. Some of the rhythms I, I felt more comfortable with than others. But sometimes a challenge is huge. And that's what Jesus does when he speaks into you, doesn't he? He challenges you where you're at. If it just washes over you, then you need to be challenged to move on, to mm. grow. Thank and you. that's kind of where I felt found myself. Thank you, what, what difference is this making, to, are the rhythms of Christ making to the church community? Okay. Trinity? Yeah. Well, I, I worship down at Christ the King, which is a church plant from Holy Trinity. Mm. And for me, it's much smaller, very intimate. We'd, Arnie and I were just chatting before. <clears throat> and I can probably answer that. I mean, for the church at Christ the King and probably over Trinity, I mean, I've written a phrase down and it's... Um, it's given us a language. It's given us a common language that we can talk about discipleship, um, that we can talk about growth, we can talk about um, being accountable, we can talk about growth groups, how are you meeting with others, how's that challenging you, how's that changing you, are you, are you becoming more Christ-like, which actually sometimes seems impossible. But when, you, when you're challenged, when you sit with other people, they can say, encourage you, but they can also challenge you. And I think that's, it's given us a language. It's given us a language to be able to do those things which are really on our hearts as Christian people to become true disciples of Jesus. Brilliant. Thank you, Judith. Arnie, one final question. What one piece of advice would you give us as we embark on this journey? Um... I think for me, the most significant thing about it is um, don't let it wash over you. Don't let it just be something that passes you by, but engage with it individually. I know for some people this is harder than others, but I, the, the great thing for me about it was spending time in each rhythm on my own, and then the glorious benefit of having somebody who I trusted, who I could meet with, and share my responses. So I would encourage everyone to, to get to grips with God. Take time, take an hour out of your day somewhere to, to meet with God and say, Lord, I want you to speak to me about this. What is it about my life that you want to challenge in what I'm looking at here? And then if you can find someone else who you can trust to meet with and share it with them, it really embeds it into you. Brilliant. Thank you so much for, for sharing that. It's been a real encouragement. Great to hear your wisdom. Let's give them a round of applause for all they've shared. Thank you so much. Please go and take a seat. David. While I'm sitting about this gym, perhaps you'd like to turn to your neighbor because we've had a lot of coming to us and just share your journey, your spiritual journey or your life journey with one another who are sitting next to you while I fiddle with this machine. You've got two minutes, okay, uh, and I'm going to try and run through what, what's in my head rather than what was on the machine. <laughs> Do you know what? One of the things which I found uh, in my Christian life has been that I can remember years ago when I was first converted, I was given a, an opportunity of learning to grow. And learning to grow, I had to go into a small group. And it was just learning what it was to be a Christian. 
what it meant to be a disciple, what it meant to be what we're meant to be. And you know, one of the things which I've found with this, with this course, Rhythms of Grace, is uh, it's an interesting course. But the important thing, yes, we've got the, the, the little booklet which talks all about the, um, uh, the exercise and the discipline of having a quiet time, but half the time, very few of us do have a quiet time. That's the first thing we've got to recognize within ourselves. It's not the discipline of grace, of the rhythms of grace, it's a discipline of ourselves of getting close to God in our own personal quiet time. Many, many years ago, when I was working with the Billy Graham organization, we had a, a prayer meeting, and the word that came out very strongly was from Ecclesiastes, and it was that a threefold cord can never be broken. And the thing which struck me about that was that each one of us is a cord. And, it's, and as, as we strengthen ourselves, so we strengthen the church. And the important thing is to know how to strengthen the church because it's the church which is a unit that goes forward in battle to do jobs out in the community. You know, one of the things which, you know, and we talk about uh, one of the questions I asked right to start off with on this, on this thing was um, that over the last weeks or so, I've been picking up vibes about vibes that we want to change. We need change. And there, there were two preachers. One of them gets up and says, do you want to see change? Do you want to see change? Right, let me ask the second question. Do you want to change? Because that's a very hard question to answer. Do you want to change? And these rhythms, these, gray, these uh, things that we're going to go through over the next few weeks, we're going to find ourselves um, interestingly, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, going to be challenged about where our walk is with God, where we are with Him. And I, I, I had, there was a, a center with uh, the Archbishop of York tweeted this yesterday. Christ is to be met by everyone and his love knows no bounds. That's where sins are to be forgiven and lives changed. Because that's what it's all about, changing lives. I'm going to... Uh, talk about various, I want us to think in with the passage of scripture that we had, because it, it teaches us to four things. One is to look up, one is to look out, and one is to look in, another is to look around. And if we start to look up, that means focusing on God himself. Focusing on him, not on anything else. And one of the, I'm going to share some stories in a minute of people who've affected me in my life. And perhaps you'd like to reflect on who has affected you in your life. Who has challenged you to do something better? I'm going to start off with, with uh, the, f there, there are six altogether. One is a, a, two are clergy and the other are lay people. And you'll see it's the lay folk who've affected my life more than others. The first clergyman uh, is responsible for me, for me turning my collar around. Uh, he, was, uh, he was a curate in the church I was in. And I suddenly discovered in myself, and this is God's calling, that I could do it better than he could. Which, you know, that's a bit of an arrogance, I know, but I knew I could. And that's, that was the beginning of my call into the ministry. So he affected my life. Another one was a, 
a lovely lady called Lala. She was what I would call a tenacious scouser. A wonderful person who I loved dearly because she was powerful and she knew what she wanted and she and I had more rows than anything else because I knew what I wanted and I was the vicar but I knew what I wanted and she knew what she wanted and the most famous round Jenny if you ask Jenny about this she'll tell you it about a bit more effectively than I will is that I love curry served one way and she liked to because she was cooking on a house party for us and she liked to serve curry another way and I said no you can't do that you do it this way and you know it bang 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 and it really was it was quite powerful but we had a row but I loved her right the way through it because I knew where she was coming from and she was one of these lovely ladies um, someone the other day said to me she said I'm a tortoise I just plod along and if you talked about Lala she would describe herself as a tortoise a rather quick tortoise but she was a tortoise because she got things done very carefully in the same congregation we had a, a rather vivacious young lady who was fully charismatic and you know she had arms in the air she had legs all over the place oh it was uh, it was really was it was an incredible person after a while she left the church Lala continued a few years ago she had a stroke and in that stroke she never gave up she continued to persevere and persevere and persevere and she taught me two things one the importance of persevering and not letting go and secondly of being content in the way in which she was and she was what I would call a lovely person we met her we went up to Bootle a couple of weeks ago and we met her and you know what she was she was so thrilled just to be there at this particular service we were in because she was content in Jesus that's the first one the second one was uh, a man called Harry Greenwood some of you may know him some of you may not but he was an evangelist and he taught Jenny and I two things that God was not just the God of the Bible which is important he was the God of today who did wonderful things in this world who did wonderful things in our lives it was a wonderful experience just to just to listen to what he's got to say and we learned so much from him and he also taught us one other thing perhaps more importantly he taught us how to live by faith how to be living in contentment with having nothing but knowing that God would supply all our needs then there was another guy called Ian, Ian Andrews, another evangelist. And he showed us through his ministry the power of God today. He would have a word from God and he'd go up to people and say, this is for you. And I've watched people flinch as he's walked up to them because they've not wanted to hear what God has got to say to them. It's amazing, we sometimes don't want to hear God speaking to us personally. And then there's finally, a, oh, there's another one, I've got two more to go. One is a guy named Paul Smith. He was at what, what some people would call a no mark. He 
was a packer in a factory. He used to pack goods up. But he had one thing going for him. He loved the Lord Jesus. Loved them to such an extent that he couldn't stop talking about him. I mean, he just happened to be my youth leader in the church I was in. But he didn't have a title. He didn't have a denomination. He didn't have a designation. He was Paul. He was Paul. And he just shared his faith. And he quite got Hodgkinson's disease, I think it is, where it's a cancer of the lymph nodes or lymph, lymph cells. And he got slowly but surely worse in, and degenerated. Then he had a remission and he, and he came back to, you know, he came a little bit better. Then he was finally taken into Christie's Hospital in Manchester. And he shared, no, he went in there and we went in to visit him. There was Jenny, myself, Paul's wife, Sue, and one of the sons. And Paul lay in his bed. It was his, not his, it was his deathbed in lots of ways. And he said, David, I want you to tell people this is not about Paul Smith. It's not about David Rouch. It's not about Sue Smith. It's about Jesus. Because he is my all in all. He is my all in all. I love him so much. I just want to tell people all about him. A few weeks after, in fact, what, what he, he did by just sharing these words with Jenny and I, he wrote his own funeral sermon. And when he came, when he died, the funeral took place. And we had a church which held 400 people. And it wasn't big enough because of the people that man had affected because of his life. He brought people to hear the word of God from him, not from me, but from him because he loved Jesus so much. I want to challenge you. Do you know Jesus that much? You can't stop talking about him. You can't stop telling others how great he is how much he loves you. He died on the cross. Are you able to tell people this? Because this is something which we need to know. And the other thing too about Paul, and here I am trying to remember half the things I'd written down. Paul, um, he talked a great deal about sexual sin. Now I know a great deal about sexual sin. I served for a while as a TA chaplain. And believe you me, when men get together, the main topic of conversation is sex. When men get together, they find themselves talking in that way. They have these magazines. And I would walk in, and they knew I was the vicar or the, the, the padre. And you know, I've never seen such a scramble in my life as all these magazines were thrown away. <laughs> but there's some, sort, there's some sad stories there. Because I had one young man come to me and said, because I was known as Padre, he said, can I, can I talk with you? This was at nine o'clock at night. At three o'clock in the morning, I went home. Trying, I was trying to sort out his love life. Um, he had three girlfriends, and he didn't know which one he was meant to be with on the next night. That is what sex does to you. It ties you up in knots. The vicar in the next parish to mine, when I was in Bootle, 
he had to leave rather suddenly because he was uh, having a little go with someone else, a woman. And you know, Paul's got one or two words for us. He said, if you're single, you're meant to be celibate. If you're married, you're meant to be monogamous. That is the rule. And, one, and John F. Kennedy once said, um, got to get this right, he said, life is all about change. Life is all about change. If we look to the past and the present, we, no, we must look to the past and the present to look forward to the future because they're the building blocks for the future. And you know, change, there's nothing, to be, there's nothing frightening about change. It's the fear of change that frightens us and stops us changing. You know, one of the things which I know that, that when I was first, I'm going to use the phrase carefully but lovingly, when I was first baptized in the Holy Spirit, that sounded a grand phrase. In other words, when God took over me completely. I remember being frightened because I didn't know what was going to happen. You start speaking in tongues, you don't know what's coming out of your mouth. But you know, it's the fear of change. The fear of not letting go. The fear, no, the fear of letting go. One of the things which I've learned over the years is that in churches, we, us, a congregation, we're often fearful of change, but we've got to change if we're to grow. And the change comes in as we submit ourselves to God in a very powerful way. Letting ourselves go. I think the word is letting ourselves go and letting God take control. It's a very powerful and wonderful thing to do. Now, I wonder if we've got the courage to do that. I wonder if we've got the courage to let go of God. One of the things, I, sorry, I'm just sort of going to play with a word here. Uh, I can remember being sitting in the pew, and when the, the pastor went on a bit longer, you started looking at your watch to find out how long have I got before dinner time. I'm sorry we've gone on a bit long. I think it's important that we hear what God's saying to us. Have you given everything that you've got to God? And, let, and have you let him take control of who you are and what you are and what you are meant to be? God has a plan for our lives. It's a new life. Something exciting. Something wonderful. You know, I get so, so excited, I really do, because um, there's a Snoopy cartoon with this Snoopy sitting on top of the kennel. I can't wonder where the little duck or whatever it is, and they're all both looking up and saying, that's the secret of life, you know, looking up. That is the secret of life, looking up and seeing what God has got to say. Not what human beings have to say, because that's a waste of time. Seeing what God has to say to you. Now, the rhythms of grace come in because it gives us a discipline in which to have a devotion. I was taught early on in my life, the first thing you do when you get up in the morning is have a quiet time. Some people find that difficult. But the disciplines, or the rules, or whatever it is in, in, in this community of St. Chad, this rhythms of grace is just simply there 
to enable you to come close to God, to hear what he's got to say to you and what you can say to him. That's what it's all about. It's a two-way conversation with our almighty God through Jesus so that we can be changed. But we've got to be prepared to change. That word transformation, all it means is change. Just be changed. And let yourself be given to God. Now, one of the things I'm going to say now is, if you want to know more, come and talk to me. Do. Because there's a lot more to it than just that. As you said earlier on, sermons come and they go in one year and out the other. Can't help it. But what God sticks in there, make sure it sticks. So let's just bow our heads in prayer. Father, we just want to thank you for your love to us. And Father, if we've gone on a bit this morning, we just pray that you will just take away all the dross and hold us in your arms so that we can know what you're saying to us. Father, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.